Are you ready for the Word tonight? I'm telling you what, we've been studying and praying and the Lord says, this is a word for the season that somebody's in right now. He said, this is for you. And it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an encouraging word that is uh, helping us see one of the greatest strategies the enemy uses to trip us up, and that is discouragement. Discouragement. So we're going to look at overcoming discouragement. We're going to take a, a biblical story. We're going to break it apart, and we're going to see exactly how, when faced with uh, discouragement, how God turned the thing around, and He's going to turn it around for you as well. If you're willing to hear the Lord and follow the Lord and do His command, you're going to find tonight, if there's any spirit of discouragement at work in you, you're going to turn your back on it, and you're going to walk out of that dark place, you're going to walk out of that sad place, you're going to walk out of that discouragement and be encouraged by God's Word to pursue the destiny He has for you. Somebody say amen if that's for you. Amen. How about let's go to, Neb uh, let's go to uh, the Scripture in Nehemiah, and uh, we're going to be looking at Nehemiah, the fourth chapter, about 12 verses we're going to break up in here and, and look at uh, as we look at how God shows us a biblical account of overcoming uh, discouragement. Uh, we know that as you study uh, the history of God's people and, and uh, the nation of Israel, uh, it was 586 B.C., there was fall, it came under uh, Babylonian control. Jerusalem was ransacked and the uh, control center was removed and, and Babylon is now in charge. And then about uh, 140-some years later, uh, Persia comes in, the Medes and the Persians, and now Persia is in charge at this particular time in 445 B.C. And Nehemiah is this uh, Jewish kid who's a young man that's been taken captive and from his homeland, he, he's uh, had to grow up in captivity. Uh, he didn't know when it came under, but he's grown up. And he's, God has put him in a place where he's the cupbearer. He's the cupbearer of uh, Artaxerxes. And uh, there he is in close proximity, uh, proximity with the, uh, uh, the, the king uh, that's in charge. Uh, he's, he's not a godly king, uh, but he's not anti-God, and we'll find that out in just a minute. So there's some men that come and visit uh, from Judah. They come in to Shushan, and there is the, the citadel where Nehemiah is serving uh, before the king, and, and they're talking to Nehemiah, and he wants to know what's going on in the homeland. What did you see? What was your experiences there? And, uh, and they said, well, let me tell you what, there, there, you, there's only a few survivors. Uh, there's great distress. There's reproach upon the land. Uh, we see that the walls have been broken down in Jerusalem and the gates have been burned and destroyed. It's nothing like it was. It is just in ruins and it is so discouraging. And uh, as they're telling this to Nehemiah, he begins to weep and, and, and it touches his heart in such a way. It's like, this should not be about my homeland. This is not how it should be. And he's weeping and he goes into a time of fasting and praying, the Bible says, for many days. And during this time of fasting and prayer and, and somberness and sadness and upon him, he, he's serving the king. And the king noticed his countenance was down. And the king inquired and said, you know, uh, Nehemiah, what's going on? What's wrong with you? And Nehemiah said, well, I got the report back from the homeland and I... I heard about how our walls are torn down and our gates have been burned and, and, and what uh, our family knew as uh, this, this city that God had given us and this promised land is now uh, in shambles and in ruins. And, and if, if, King, if there was any way you could spare me and allow me to go, I would love to go back and lead a, a people to rebuild my hometown. And the king's heart was touched by the Lord. And, and he says, I'll give you my blessing to go. And I'll even give it a provision uh, for the timbers and all that you'll need uh, to rebuild it. I will give you my favor. Now, if that was the end of the story, we would say, wow, how awesome is this? The devil came in and brought destruction. And here, uh, the young man feels the call of God to lead uh, men and, and, and the Israelites back to rebuild. They get a secular king who uh, gives favor to them and even is going to help finance part of the, uh, uh, the endeavor. Uh, that sounds great, right? That means, it, it, and many of you can identify there. Many of you have come out of rum, uh, shambles. You've come out of sad stories. You've come out of bad circumstances and situations. And you've witnessed some miracles. If it had not been for a miracle, you wouldn't be here tonight. 
If it hadn't been for a miracle, you might be in jail somewhere. If it hadn't been for a miracle, you might be dead already. If it hadn't been for a miracle, you surely wouldn't have your family together. So you've experienced the miracle provision of God and so forth. But when God has a plan for you and a call on your life, that does not mean it's going to be easy. Right? So here the enemy can't, he's got a, there's a king that the enemy wished he could turn his heart against God's people, but God has touched his heart in a way that he wants to support this rebuilding of the walls and rebuilding of the city. And uh, so the enemy pulls out his age-old strategy that even if God before you and everything looks amazing and miraculous, the devil knows there's steps. You've got to walk out the provision of God. You've got to walk out the promise of God. So out of his back uh, arsenal, he pulls out this thing called discouragement. And he said, and if I can click this on them, even though God is for them, they'll, they'll give up. They'll faint. They'll be weary and well-doing, and they'll faint, and they'll not reap. So he pulls out discouragement. Now somebody here tonight and somebody tuning in needs to hear this word because the devil's trying to put those shackles on your ankles and trip you up with discouragement as well. But we're tonight, we're going to look at overcoming discouragement. So let's get into Nehemiah 4 and verse 1. So it happened when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. So he wasn't too happy about uh, uh, Nehemiah coming back and with the king's support and all. So he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, Whatever they build, even if a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. Hear, O, oh, hear uh, uh, of our God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall, he said, and the entire wall was joined together up to the half its height, and for the people had a mind to work. Man, things are getting going. The enemy that was there, the Samaritans didn't want uh, this to happen and they're trying to speak against it. But the people of God are working. They've got a mind to work. Things are going in their favor and they've got it halfway built. Look at verse 7. Now it happened when Sanballat and Tobiah, the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed. Boy, the devil don't like it when we're starting to uh, get some success. They became very angry. Now, the Old Testament's just showing you how the devil works here. When you see the enemy here, this is the spirit of Satan and how he works. So the devil, he gets very angry at you when you're getting ahead. Anybody ever felt that? You ever saw that? You're getting a little bit ahead in your finances. You're getting a little bit ahead in your spiritual life. You're getting a little bit ahead in your family. And all of a sudden, it's just like the, the pits of hell are turned against you. Well, that's what happened. They became very angry. And they all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. They're going to try together working to bring in discouragement that would confuse the people. Nevertheless, he said, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers are failing. And there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. Wow, everything was going fine until the devil got really angry and tried to come in and bring confusion. And now all of a sudden, things are changing with the people of God. Now Judah, his name means praise, so now praise says uh, our strength is failing. We don't have the praise like we had before. We don't have the, the, the strength to lift up our hands and to shout and to do what uh, uh, you know, we were studying about Joshua on Sunday where they're going to build a, a, a place of praise, a sacrifice of praise in the valley of the river in a dry place. You know, when it gets dry and things are, are down and not up, it's easy to drop our hands and to become discouraged. And here Judah says, uh, we, we're not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, and our adversary says, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. In other words, the devil said, they, this is God, people's God saying, the devil's committed to destroying us. Rather than saying God is more committed to helping us succeed, when discouragement starts coming in, you start hearing the voice of the devil louder than you start hearing the voice of God. 
Man, you've got to get the spirit of discouragement off of you because it will open the door for confusion in your life. Verse 12, he says, So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Can you imagine? Now the Jews, the people of God, are even now joining in on the negative talk. Saying, saying to us ten times, they told us ten times, that wherever you turn, no matter what you do, the enemy's going to be on us. The enemy's going to stop us. The enemy's going to destroy us. Man, that's your church folks. That's your church family telling you, you don't even need to try anymore. You know, it's that old saying, damned if you do and damned if you don't type thing. You're going to be destroyed because the devil is after you. Wow. And let me tell you, the enemy will say anything. He's a liar, so he doesn't have to tell the truth. So he'll say anything he can to discourage you. Well, you've got to understand that he is a liar and that you're not going to listen to what he says. You're going to turn your ear to what God says. Because discouragement, let me tell you what, is, a, is a, an emotional uh, 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 place that we get, but it opens the door for evil spirits to truly have a party in our head and come into our lives. See, discouragement is this feeling of despair in the face of obstacles or this state of feeling distraught. Uh, with a, a loss of sense of enthusiasm and drive and courage. See, the devil don't want you to be courageous in the Lord. The devil doesn't want you to believe God at his word and move forward. That when God gives you a word, you're going to stand on that word. And no matter what comes against you, you know God's going to help you uh, uh, come over it, through it, under it, or cast it aside. You know that when God is for you, who can be against you? But the devil tries to come against your courage and get you discouraged. He tries to get you going in the opposite direction. I, I believe discouragement is like a disease and, and, and it's unique to human beings and it is universal. And I believe that eventually everyone gets, uh, you know, like they, you can get the flu or you can get a cold or, you know, probably everybody's had a cold at one time in their life. I believe every one of us has been, been dealt with uh, by a spirit of discouragement before. You may be here tonight bruised up from uh, a battle that you've been fighting with a spirit of discouragement. And uh, with all of us having to experience what discouragement tries to do against us, I believe we need to be biblically prepared so that we don't let it get on us. Now, some folks, they'll go, they'll go get the flu shot so that, you know, they can build up their immune so that the flu, they don't catch the flu or whatever that time of the year. I want us to get a Holy Ghost shot. I want to just get a whole, uh, the Holy Word shot. I want to get the Word in us and the Word so strong in us that when discouragement comes, we recognize its symptoms and we say, no, no, you're not parking here. You just as well go ahead and, and keep the engine running because you're not parking here. Hallelujah. Because haven't all of us at one time or another experienced discouragement? Let me just wave at me if you've ever dis experienced discouragement. Looks like to me about every one of you are waving at me. Uh, and, and let me tell you what, the devil tries because he keeps trying with discouragement because it really works. And when it works, it's very costly. Man, it costs us a lot. You can go back in the scripture and you'll find the ten Israel, you know, the... Uh, the Ten spies, remember the twelve spies went into the land and the ten spies, that they got discouraged and, and they came back and their discouragement spread over all the children of Israel. And uh, for 40 years, they had to wander in the wilderness because of that. Uh, a struggling student who is failing and trying to get through some courses and gets discouraged and drops out of school, it affects their whole future and their future family and how they can be cared for. And maybe even the assignment that God has placed on his or her life never gets fulfilled because they got discouraged in school, gave in to the spirit of discouragement and gave up. An employee yields to discouragement and loses their job and the next thing you know, poverty comes into his family and it changes the trajectory of their family forever. You look at a husband and a wife who maybe are going through a, some challenging times and what does the enemy do? He brings out that arsenal of discouragement because he knows that if they'll give in to discouragement that that marriage will not make it. It will not make it. I've seen people in the past who've had a miscarriage or two and they gave up and they got discouraged and said, we're never going to try again. And that, that third try was going to be that child, was going to be that daughter, was going to be that son that was going to bring them so much joy. But that, that child never had a chance because they gave in to discouragement. 
I've seen believers, and especially new believers, get discouraged and, and uh, due to repeated failure and, and overcoming old habits, you know, trying to overcome old habits. And, and boy, the enemy comes in and gets them discouraged. And next thing you know, they turn their back on God and say, I can't do this Christian thing. And they just go right back into the world, into a secular life. And many times are worse off in the end than they were in the beginning. I'm here to tell you the devil doesn't play fair. And we can't sit down and you can't, you can't negotiate and counsel a demon, okay? It doesn't work that way. Because the demons are coming from Satan and Satan is the father of lies, so they're going to lie to you. So why do you want to even have conversation with them? We need to identify and we need to, uh, we need to get it out. We need to expel it. We need to say, we're not putting up with this. Draw near to God, resist the devil, and see him flee, amen? So we need to deal with this uh, discouragement. I know it may not be the most uh, exciting sermon in the world, but boy, it can prepare you for an exciting life if you will do that. So here's some common signs of discouragement. This is not an exhaustive list, but just four uh, signs of it. And one is sleep cycle dysfunction. Sleep cycle dysfunction, whether you're, you cannot sleep or you run away and all you do is sleep. Uh, because the mind is so full and the soul is so full of worry. Uh, and, and, and that worry is just weighting down upon you. You weren't created to carry worry. God says that we're to cast our care upon Him, Jesus, because He cares for us. And He tells us, uh, do not be anxious and do not worry because you were not created to carry worry. When you try to carry worry, you're going to start to break your physical and your mental function down and it makes you vulnerable for the enemy to bring a spirit of discouragement in. Another common sign is uh, restlessness. This is that absent-mindedness mind, uh, that sets in and, and weary, weariness results from that. It's just this restlessness. Nothing. You're irritated and agitated all the time. You're restless. That's a sign that there's a spirit of discouragement that is uh, uh, trying to set its claws on you. Another one is complacency where you actually just get numb and there's a loss of interest in food, a loss of interest in enjoyable activities. You just kind of check out. You just kind of you just become very passive. That is not how God created you. And then another sign is negative thoughts. And negative thoughts. Somebody says something positive, you see it negative. Somebody says up, you say down. Somebody says light, you say darkness. Somebody says let's come in, you say no, I'm staying out. Somebody says let's be blessed, and you say no, I'm cursed. And somebody says you can succeed, you say no, I'm going to fail. You just got negative thoughts. Everything's negative. All you see is the negative side. And believe it or not, that ultimately leads, and it's where the enemy's trying to lead you, is to a, a, a suicide. Now, some people say suicide doesn't take place this day and age, but if I gave you the statistics, it would sober you up in a very quick moment because uh, hundreds and thousands of suicides are happening every day. And that's a sad, sad thing, and, uh, but that's what the enemy wants. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And here we've got Nehemiah, one of the best leaders and motivators. I mean, what an amazing motivator if you'll really read what he has said and what he has done with his life. And, and it's just absolutely amazing. And he shows us how to identify and how to war against discouragement. So if you can identify discouragement now, let's identify it now, let's war against it. And uh, because it is trying to uh, 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 drag you down. And we see some of the causes of discouragement. And I believe it's very, uh, you know, sometimes we get so heavenly minded, we know earthly good. You ever met someone that's so spiritual that it's almost like they don't walk on the earth anymore? And then you look and they really don't walk on the earth. I mean, they are just as absent minded and not connected and really not doing much for the Lord. But they got the talk. Now, now, we want to have a spiritual language. Yes, we do. But we want to have a practical application of walking the Word of God out as well, right? And there are some things that we do or maybe we are not doing that can cause discouragement. So look, look here at some of the causes of discouragement that we find in Nehemiah. Nehemiah 4 and 10, we see uh, that fatigue, fatigue the scripture identifies is one thing that can open the door for discouragement. It actually said in the verse there that the strength of the laborers is giving out. They've been working night and day. They've been working and they're tired. You've got to be careful when you're tired. 
Because when you're tired, if you're, if you're not alert and you don't have proper accountability, you will find you will think and you will do things that you normally would not think and you normally would not do. You just get tired like the laborers did. Uh, we're human beings. We're not Superman or Superwoman, except for Pastor Eric. He's probably the only Superman we got here. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, we're not Superman or Superwoman. We're human beings, and we can wear out. We, if you're burning the candle at both ends, let me tell you what. You need to be very careful, because if you keep that up, you're going to get fatigued. And when you get fatigued, boy, the enemy's right there ready to come in with a spirit of dis- uh, discouragement. Another identification of a cause of of this uh, discouragement is frustration. Frustration. He says in verse 10, and there is so much rubble. He said, we look around and it's just like, the more we work, the more junk there is, the more rubble there is. He said, it's all around us. It's getting in our way of rebuilding the wall. I want to ask you point blank tonight, is there any rubble in your life? Come on now. I don't know about you, but if you'll notice when you start something or you start doing something, the trash starts piling up. Our house is a busy house because we got more trash going. We're like, where, where does it all come from? And Morgan's job is to take the trash out. And, and uh, she thought she was getting a good deal. She's like, okay, we got the dishes to be washed and we've got the trash that's going to be out and the floors that are going to be uh, clean. Now, now, we can rotate those or one of you can take that and the other one. Caleb says, I want the dishes. And I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm amazed, okay. And Morgan said, I want the trash and I want the floors. And uh, she said, our floors are always spotless, so that'll be easy. And what could it really be, what, once a month, once a, to every two weeks, taking the trash out? We are always saying, Morgan, where are you? Daddy, I'm a, come take the trash out. Which means we must be a busy, busy house. Amen. Because when you start doing things, the trash starts piling up. And, and if you don't clean it out periodically, it will definitely get in the way of progress. You remember when we built, started building this new ministry center? One of the first things we did is we brought this humongous, is that a word? We brought this humongous dumpster and we set it out here. And I believe every neighbor uh, 20 miles radius had started bringing their junk here too and they weren't supposed to. But we had to have that here because to build this ministry center, it created a lot of debris and mess that had to go out. You can't avoid it. Doing life produces toxins. Doing life produces toxins. Don't get discouraged because doing life produces constant, uh, uh, toxins. What you have to realize, though, is you've got to dispose of those toxins. You've got to get that stuff, uh, 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 let the trash man come pick it up. You've got to dump it, uh, go find another church that's building in their big dumpster and then dump it in there. No, no, no. <laughs> so what's the rubble in your life? Come on now. When I think about rubble, it could be those trivial things that waste your time and energy. It's just, you, you spend more time just moving it around so you can get in here, and then when you get it over here, you got to move it around. You, can, you need to get rid of it. Amen. Because it's preventing you from accomplishing what God has called you to do. I'm here to tell you, you need to lighten up. You need to trim down. You need to get some of the junk out of your life. You say, ah, no, it causes frustration and frustration will open the door for the spirit of discouragement. Another cause of discouragement is what I call failure, just failure. We see it in verse 10 of chapter 4 again. He says, it was such that we could not rebuild the wall. He said there in verse 10, it came to the place, all the rubble is around, all this is happening and we're tired. He says, and it came to the place, we can't do this. We can't do this. We're unable to finish the task as quickly as we had originally planned to do it. And as a result, their, their, uh, their, you might would say their confidence just collapsed. They, they were thinking, we were so stupid to think that we could ever come here and rebuild the wall. And they were willing to accept failure. Now, how many of you have ever been there? You had goals in your life. Anybody ever set goals? And today, you're not where you had in your goals to be. It's only me, okay. Well, I just need to get over here in the corner and preach to myself then because you guys got your, you got your Dollar Tree halos on and you're acting all wonderfully spiritual tonight, okay. 
Man, I set goals in my life. And, and I said, man, I, I, I'm going to exceed that goal. And then when I got to that time, I wasn't even halfway where I was supposed to be. What you know I had to learn to do? Because I learned if I let that beat me up, I would let the spirit of discouragement come in. I immediately set a new goal. That's what I do. And I don't give up. Everybody misses a deadline. You talk to anybody, everybody's missed the deadline. Everybody's failed to reach their original target. And everybody has done something foolish before. Look at the person next to you and say, you've done something foolish before. I know it. Just say, I know it. I know. I know. Don't know the details, but you've done something foolish before. See, the issue is not that you failed. It's how you respond to that failure. Do you go into self-pity? Do you start blaming other people? Oh, it's their fault. If they'd have done this, if they'd have done that, it would have... You know, we start blaming other people. We start complaining. We start saying, well, that was impossible. That never could be done to start with. And, and let me tell you what. When you do that, you open yourself up for a spirit of discouragement and some other demonic spirits that would love to come in and just have a party in your life. When you're faced with failures in your life, don't look at that as something that stops you or defines you. That is something to challenge you. To say, we've got the walls built half the height. Look at what we have done. Look at what we, we've got a groundwork, we've got a foundation that we can continue to build upon. And make a new goal and keep building into what God has called you to do. Another one is fear. Boy, fear. He says in verse 11, also our enemies, they came in and started talking and they said, before you know it or see us, we will be right there among you and we'll kill you and we're going to put an end to your work. So the threats of the enemy came in. I'll stop this work. I'll cause you to fail. I'll cause it to never happen. And this, 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 this word got out that even the Jews then picked up on it. And they started saying, uh, you know, they're, they're going to come to us ten times over. And wherever we turn, they're going to attack us. So now fear is spreading like a, like a fungus, like a disease It's spreading. See, Nehemiah 4, it suggests that the people were most affected by fear were the ones that were hanging around those negative talkers. When they were listening to the negative talk come from the enemy, it affected them, and now they were carrying on the negative talk. Let me tell you what, you've got to be careful who you listen to. You've got to be careful who your counsel is. If you hang around negative folks, let me tell you what, the spirit of darkness will come through the curses of their tongue and the death of their tongue and it will invade your soul and it will invade your mind and the next thing you know, you will become infected by it as well. Come on now. So you've got to be very, very careful. Be responsible about what you, what you will listen to and who you will listen to. So let me give you some remedies for discouragement that we find in verses 13 in chapter 4 and following. One we find here, and it's a big one, is people. People. When discouraged, you know, and you call on the family of God for help. I tell people all the time, we're, that's what we're here for. They say, you know, I hate to burden, I hate to bother you with this, but, you know, but there's this challenge. I'm like, don't, that's the devil telling you, don't tell your brothers and sisters. We need each other. Verse 13 says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. We need each other. I have a shield of faith and you have a shield of faith and while I can't watch my back, you can and while you can't watch your back, I can't. So together, back to back, we can pull up our shield of faith and quench all the fiery darts that are coming from any angle around us. We need each other. See, Moses was one of the greatest leaders handpicked by God, and yet he became so discouraged that he wanted to die. Man, he got into that suicide mindset. Numbers 11 and 14, he says, I cannot carry these people by myself, God. The burden is too heavy for me. He said, Numbers 11, 15, he said, if this is how you're going to treat me, can you imagine talking to God this way? Oh, you have. Okay, that's right. God, if you're going to treat me this way, well, put me to death right now. If this is how you're going to make me live, well, then God, kill me. Take me out of this earth. If I have found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face my own ruin. Now let's look at the Lord's solution to his discouragement in verse 16. The Lord said to Moses, Bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people and make them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you. 
Verse 17, And I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit that is on you and put the Spirit on them, and they will help you. They will help you. Sometimes God has somebody to help you get to the next level, and if you let pride, that spirit of pride rise up, you will not receive that help, and you will not fulfill God's purpose for your life. You get in your mind, nope, I'm going to do it myself, do it myself. Don't need God's help. Nope, don't need that person. Don't need these people. And here God is saying, Moses, this is how I'm going to do it. So God says, I'll take my, your spirit, put on them. They'll help carry the burden of the people so that you will not have to carry it alone. So God's solution was people, one of his remedies. Maybe, I, I believe God has created us so we cannot carry our burdens alone. I really believe that. It keeps us out of a spirit of pride where we build up our own selves and our own kingdom and it's all about us. We need each other. We need koinia. We need fellowship. We need brothers and sisters. God says he has created, called us to be a family. A family. That we are a family. Amen. Brothers and sisters in Christ. We need each other. So we see one of the remedies for discouragement is people. Another remedy is rest. Look at somebody and say, you can take a nap now. <laughs> Pastor said you can take a nap. No, let's save our nap for when we get home. Give me a few more minutes, if you will. But rest is very, very important, and that speaks for itself so much. I don't even need to give you all the scripture and all the, the back for that because it is just overwhelming. But we do need to be reminded we need rest. You know, six days God worked, and on the seventh day he rested. Now, if God gave us an example of a, he's a, he's a what? He is, he is, he is God. He is infinite. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing, right? Omniscient, omnipotent. He is everywhere at all places at all times, ever-present. But yet he says, six days I'll work, seventh I'll rest because I'm setting a model. I created you in my image and you were created. You need rest. Then the third remedy I have up here, I think, is prayer. Prayer. Nehemiah 4 and 9 in that verse he says, But we prayed to our God and, and, and we posted a guard day and night to meet the threat. We took, our, we took our situation to God. And God in prayer showed us what we were to do. That we were to post a guard day and night to meet this threat. Here's one of the greatest generals that God had ever called up and is doing this and he has to go to God in prayer. Joshua, another great general, handpicked by God to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And he felt like quitting after that battle at Ai. You know, the first belongs to the Lord. The first fruit is God's. And when you honor God with the first fruit, he blesses the rest. Isn't that what he said? That's why even the firstborn in Egypt, they belong to him anyway. So there's a first fruit, a first fruit and, and firstborn principle there. And in this first fruit principle, God says, Jericho is the first city you're going to come to. Do not take of the gold. Do not take of the spoils. It's mine. And if you'll honor me with the first fruit, he says, I'll bless you throughout the land. Well, we know that they went in and they marched around the walls for six days, one time a day, seven times on the seventh day, and they shouted and they blew the ram's horn and they said what God said and the walls came down and they were to go in and whatever they took was to all be dedicated to God, but somebody hid some gold in his tent. You remember? Nobody knew about it, but God did. So then they go to this little town, this little battle at Ai, which is puny compared to Jericho, this fortified city, and they get their bottoms whipped. I mean, it is bad. And Joshua gets discouraged. And he comes to God and he says to God, you know, how is this? How is this that this little group has brought such destruction in our life? Joshua 7 and 8, he said, What can I say, O Lord, now that Israel has retreated from the enemy? Here we are running. Verse 9, the Canaanites and everyone else in this country now is going to hear about this, that that little old tiny group at Ai whipped those Israelites. Who are they? Let's go take them out. They will surround us and kill every one of us, and then what will you do to protect your honor, God? Boy, don't we turn on God and we turn on others when we get discouraged. One sign that you're discouraged is you're turning on people around you, the ones that have offered you the most help, especially God. And during this time of discouragement, Joshua talked to God and he went to him in prayer. And God said, there's sin in the camp. That's why. 
the first fruit, that which belongs unto me, has been defiled. That's why we clap here when we come in on Sunday and, and Wednesday night and we're bringing our first fruit and we're bringing our offerings unto the Lord. We celebrate. Paul says God loves a cheerful giver. We understand first fruit. We understand the tithe. We understand offerings and we're glad to bring it to God. We don't want to consume it. We don't want to touch it because we know God, if we'll show our faith that we trust Him with that little portion, He's going to trust us with the larger portion with a blessing on it a multiplication blessing on it. And that's why he says when you give, it will come back good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. There's a multiplied uh, 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 law of reciprocity that is at work, but you've got to be a man or woman of faith and honor God with that which is first. So God reveals this to Joshua in prayer. Hallelujah. So prayer is a remedy for discouragement. Whatever it is, go to God. You can even fuss at God, and guess what? You won't hurt his feelings. He said, I've heard that before. I've seen this immaturity before. You know, you know, he knows who we are. He knows our he knows how weak and fallible we are and how much we need him. So let's go to him. Another rem, remem, uh, remedy is remember the Lord will help you. You got to wake your mind up and say, wait a minute. I know God. He's my help. Because when you get discouraged, you got to know that God is awesome and God is a loves you and He cares about you. And He has an answer and He has a way and He has provision that will bring you out of this. Look at verse 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. He said, I told you, let's remember the Lord who is great and awesome and, and fight for your brothers. Okay. He says, and your daughter, your sons and your daughters, your wives and, and your homes. Hallelujah. For, for don't be discouraged, be encouraged. God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Remember, there was a prophet, Elijah, uh, in the scriptures and in the Old Testament. And, you know, he was willing to challenge all of uh, Israel and its fault, the king that was not following after the Lord Ahab and his wife Jezebel. And there was these prophets of Baal and prophets of Asherah. And, and he said, this should not be. Our nation is not serving God. Look at all these false gods. Look at all these false prophets. And he made a challenge. He said, in this time of drought, let us go up onto the mountain and build a sacrifice. And, and, and we're going to, you let your prophets of Baal and the prophets of Asherah see a fire. They call fire down from their God. And, and then I'll come in and I'll pray. And my, our God, the one, the true, the living God, will send the fire down. He had this face off. And we know the end of the story. Hallelujah. God brought the fire down and won and Elijah should be at one of the most highest points of his career, having seen God's hand bring him through that. But then Jezebel sends a personal word to him that before dark tomorrow, what happened to these prophets, uh, these false prophets, as you had them slaughtered, you will be slaughtered as well. And immediately a spirit of fear came in and that fear allowed that spirit of discouragement to come in. And here he goes in 1 Kings 19 and 4. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and he sat under a broom tree and he prayed that he might die. Discouragement. Discouragement. He said, is, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Wow. But get this. As God did for him, he will do for you. God encouraged him. Look at 1 Kings 19.7, I think it is. It says, And an angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. And in verse 8, So he arose and he ate and he drank and he went in the strength of that food for 40 days and 40 nights as far as over the mountain of God. Hallelujah! So there came, he went from being discouraged to being rising up and now traveling supernaturally for 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. And then we know God met with him there and there was the, all that transpired. But I'm just saying that we need to remember that the Lord will help. And then another thing is a remedy is we need to reposition yourself. You can't stay. When you're discouraged, you can't stay where you're at. You can't stay in that mindset. You can't stay in that surrounding. You can't stay listening to that same voices that are coming to you because all of that is contributed to getting you in that point of, dis of discouragement. So you've got to reposition yourself. And, uh, and, and you can only do this through changing your stance. You've got to stand on the Word of God and get off of standing on your doubt. Because when dis you're discouraged, you're standing on doubt. You're standing on a balloon uh, and it's going, you feel like it's going to pop at any moment or either you hear it going... Phew, 
and the air is leaking out of it and you're going to be sinking in, in, in just a few moments. You've got to get off of that and you've got to get on the Word of God. So you stand on the Word of God and not your doubt. You stand on the Word of God and not your fear. You stand on the Word of God and not your circumstances. You've got to get to the Word. You've got to get to this firm foundation of the Word, the rock that God has given us. Verse 16, he says, From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, and, and bows, and armor. And the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah. So, so they, they, re, they reset the scene and the scenario of where they were after they got a word from God. And they had to reposition themselves. And we have to learn to reposition ourselves. You remember Job had a same experience. When Job, uh, you know, he was such a man of faith and patience and truly a great man and had a great beginning uh, in the story and a great end in the story. But there was a lot of junk went on between the first and the ending, right? To the place he got to where he wished he hadn't been born, he wanted to die, there was discouragement. Job 3 and 3 said, curse be the day of my birth and curse be the night when I was conceived. Man, he was, he was discouraged. But God had a solution for him. Okay, and, and when God gave him that, he humbled himself and he prayed for his friends. God said, you need to pray for your friends. What? Pray for my friends? They were the ones giving me bad advice. No, he humbled himself. Look at Job 42 and 10. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. He had to reposition himself from crying and complaining about his circumstance. He had to humble himself before God and stop questioning God and start praying for his friends. Man, that's a repositioning, isn't it? Does anybody in here tonight need to do some repositioning away from your complaining and away from your fault finding and away from your blaming and away from your negative attitude and your negative uh, actions and your negative words and say, wait a minute, God, you want me to humble myself before you. Position yourselves on your knees before God and God will tell you what to do. He may say, you need to start praying for your friends. Instead of complaining about everything, you need to start praying. And once he changed and repositioned, God gave him back everything. Double, the Bible says. Amen. So moving right along here, uh, you've got to reorganize your life as well. Because discouragement doesn't mean you're doing the wrong thing. It may mean that you're doing it in the wrong way. So when you get discouragement starts coming in, you need to back up and say, maybe I'm doing it the wrong way. Now, why in the world do I have these two jars up here? Well, each of those jars are the same exact size. And both of those jars had the same ingredients in them. But one jar, because you put the fine stuff first and the larger stuff last, you couldn't get it all in the jar. You see that? But you took the same ingredients and you put the larger rocks in first, the gravel second and the sand last, you're able, to fill, uh, you're able to get them all in the jar and have room to spare. Wow. So it may be that we need to reorganize things in our life. Rather than saying, it'll never work, it's all doomed, it's never going to happen, you need to reorganize things in your life. And we see Nehemiah did that with how they were building the wall. And then the seventh one, final here, is focus on God's mission and vision for your life. You always want to stay on God's mission and God's vision for your life. Verse 20, it says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there. Our God will fight for us. In other words, if we're over here working on the south end and we hear the trumpet sound that is, is, is God's told the priest, call my people together over here on the north end, but we're working on the south end, don't be foolish and say, I'm going to stay right here. You've got to be willing to stay focused on the vision and the mission that God is calling me over here. And when you get there, it says God will fight for you. God will fight for you. And we see that happen with so many people throughout the Bible. Jonah was one of them. Man, he wanted, he wanted God to kill all of the people in Nineveh, right? He, he, he was not happy even when they got saved. He wasn't even happy. And God said, you got to change your focus. you got to start looking at my vision, Jonah, rather than your vision. And he said in Jonah 4 and 10, he says, he says, you feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. And a plant is only at best here short-lived. Look at verse 11, he says, But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, and not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? 
So he's telling Jonah, you've got your priorities wrong. You've got your vision is, is in the wrong direction. You need to come and tap into my vision. Look at things from my perspective. And man, when we start looking at our lives from God's perspective, you're going to see, though you may be hiding in a wine press and you feel like a coward and you feel like you're from the smallest tribe of the smallest people and you're worthless and God's going to send an angel and he says, my vision for you is you're a mighty man of valor. You're a mighty woman of valor. I'm calling you up out of the pit. I'm calling you up out of the cowardice. I'm calling you up out of a life of mediocrity. And I've got great things planned for you. Let me tell you, we got we to gotta get focused on what God says about us rather than what the devil has been saying about us. Amen? Amen. Because God promises to renew our strength. Amen. And take away our discouragements if we will just reflect on God, if we'll just wait on God. I love Isaiah 40, 31. You know that scripture? Oh, what a beautiful scripture. And uh, yet the strength of those who wait with hope in the Lord will be renewed. I gave you a different version so you'd hear it even with a different tone. Yet the strength of those who wait with hope in the Lord will be renewed. Discouragement took your strength, but put your hope in God and God's going to renew your strength. You'll soar on wings like eagles. You'll run and not become weary and you will walk and not grow tired. Somebody say, Amen. Amen. So I just want to challenge us as we prepare ourselves to go into the remainder of this week and into our homes and into our workplace and the marketplace and, and on school and everywhere God's called us to do is I want you to overcome your discouragement by going to His Word today and as you go to His Word, hearing what He is saying uh, through His Word to you and by faith receiving that. By faith you can overcome. You need to be a man or woman of faith. Hallelujah. Did you know hearing the word initiates faith? Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So you've just heard the word. I've, hear, I've come here and you've heard the word. So it's initiated faith for you to rise up out of any discouragement or be prepared to, to really not let discouragement come in and have victory over you. And now you've got to speak the word. You've heard the word. You've got to speak the word because when you speak the word, it activates faith. I can't speak it for you. You've got to speak to your mountain. The Bible says, Jesus said, you speak to your mountain and say, be cast into the sea and it will be cast into the sea. You speak to your mountain. So you've got to speak this word that activates your faith. He says, for surely I say, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart does not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now that's the teaching of Jesus Christ himself. And then you've got to hear the word, which you've just done. Now as we go out of here, you've got to speak the word into your circumstance and situation, and you've got to do the word which demonstrates faith. Faith without works is dead. We read in James 2 and 20, right? Faith without works is dead. So, what are we going to do? We've heard the word. What are we going to do? We're going to speak it. you got to help me now. We've heard the word. Your faith has been initiated. Now you've got to activate your faith by what? Boy, I really... I'm not going to get discouraged. No, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm encouraged myself in the Lord. I will not look at my circumstances around me. There's rubbish around me. No, no. Okay, okay. We hear the word, it initiates our faith, right? So faith, I know faith has been initiated here because the word does not lie. Amen. Now, we have to activate our faith by what? Speaking it. And we got to demonstrate our faith by what? Doing it. Do the word. Do the word. Hallelujah. So if you would, let's stand together and do just that right now. I'm going to help you go to number two as we get ready. Then you can do number three when you go home, okay? Put that next screen up there, and we're going to say, all right, we're going to speak the word. Next screen, there we go. We're going to speak the word. Can y'all read that? Yes, yes. Okay, let's say it together. I place my faith in Jesus Christ. Say it louder than that. We're a charismatic church. Come on now. We're not a seminary, a cemetery, you know. We're a seminary. Come on now. Let us be alive. Okay, let's say it out loud. I place my faith in Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. Therefore, I am fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. Number two, as a child of God who is now a royal priesthood, I act in audacious faith to change the world for good in my generation. 
I cast off all fear. Do it again. I cast off all fear. Okay, some of you hadn't done any aerobics any time. We're going to do it right now. Do it this way. I cast off all fear and anxiety as I place my trust in the Lord with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Because I am His and He is mine in Christ, I am able to fulfill the calling that God has placed on my life. Because He is Jehovah Jireh. Say it loud. God, my provider. I confess that I am fully funded to do everything that God has called me to do. Do it again. I cast off all every spirit of insecurity and I stand strong and secure in seeing me the way God sees me redeemed by the blood of Jesus I commit everything to the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and I move into the rest of my life as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Therefore, I am blessed. Say it again. Therefore, I am blessed. Say it again. Therefore, I am blessed and my family is blessed. I am completely whole physically, mentally, and emotionally because by His stripes, I am healed. I am increasing in influence and favor for the kingdom of God. I am enabled to walk in the sacrificial love of Christ. I will love God with all of my body, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself. I now have access to the wisdom of God concerning every decision I make, and I go forth blessed and highly favored of the Lord. I go forth protected from all harm and evil in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give yourself a hand. Hallelujah. We hear the Word. It initiates our faith. We speak the Word. It activates our faith. And now it is your responsibility to go home and to walk out the Word and stand on the Word and dance on the Word and live on the Word to demonstrate your faith. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank You in the name of Jesus for Your Word. We thank You, Lord God, for Your promises. We thank You, God, that You're not going to let a spirit of discouragement move in without You bringing a spirit of encouragement to counteract and to beat and destroy it and to give us the victory and to cause us to mount up with wings as eagles. Hallelujah. So, Lord God, we hear Your Word rather than the negative the devil's saying. God, we hear what You're saying, Lord. And God, now that we've heard it and we've spoken it, now we're going to walk it out. We're going to take it back into our homes. We're going to take it into our marriages. We're going to take it into our parenting. We're going to take it into our business. We're going to take it into our banking account. We're going to take it into our schoolroom. We're going to take it into this marketplace. We're going to take it into the world. And we're going to be vital instruments of righteousness. An oak of righteousness, a planting of you, God, in this world for the display of your splendor that you might show the world your glory in and on and through us. And Lord God, we thank you we thank you that you love us so much and have such a great plan for our lives. So we commit our all to you. Hallelujah. As we say, Jesus, Jesus, I love you. Come on, just tell him, Jesus, I love you. Just talk to him for a minute. Hallelujah. Just talk to him for a minute. Say, Jesus, I love you. Holy Spirit, I open my heart, my mind for the fullness of your presence. Hallelujah. Just talk to him. Just each, each of you in your own, on your own time right now, just talk to Him, Lord. Lord, we're not doing this corporately right now. We're just all standing here knowing that you can hear each and every one of us, even though there may be uh, the hundreds or thousands or millions calling upon you at one time. God, you have the ability to hear and, Lord God, to respond to each and every one individually. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for the people that are here tonight, God. Thank you for those that are tuning in. Lord, we pray we would all just walk this word out in our homes. To you be the glory, the honor, and the praise. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.